People of Note on Fine Music Radio is proudly brought to you each week at this time by Peter Turin Productions. This is Rodney Trudgeon welcoming you to this week's edition of People of Note right here on Fine Music Radio. Let me tell you about our guest because you'll know him as well as a presenter on Fine Music Radio, Patrick van Bleck, who's covered extensive territory and gathered much experience in the music industry. He's been inducted into the South African Digest of Rock's Hall of Fame for his contribution to South African music. He's won various Sari and industry awards, as well as gold and platinum discs. And Patrick started with Gallo way back in 1968 and then went independent in the early 70s. He has at various times worked with or initiated the careers of many South African artists, as we'll hear. And in addition, he's assisted in guiding the creative fortunes of Virgin Records in South Africa for three years when the label enjoyed some of its biggest successes. And he introduced South Africa to the Gypsy Kings and the very successful dance compilation series High Energy Double Dance. Patrick, welcome. Before I go any further... Wow, that was a fantastic start, Rodney. Thank you. Your check is in the mail. Thank you. But one of the other interesting things that I didn't realize is that this year, 2021, is an important anniversary for two of your biggest hits, uh, Paradise Road, which was premiered 40 years ago. Yes, correct. And Charlie, which Rabbit made so famous. Correct. And believe it or not, that was 50 years ago. Was it 50 years since Rabbit was around? To think about it, but yes. And you wrote it. Did you write it with Trevor or did you write it alone? I wrote it with Trevor Rabin. And Paradise Road, I wrote with uh, my longtime songwriting partner, Francois Reuss. When you say you write with someone, is it do you separate the music and the text? Or do you have, like, for example, Charlie, which was such a famous and beautiful song, the actual music, the theme, the tune... Did you write that with Trevor? Did Trevor and you decide? No, Let's Char- try Char- this. you know, most songs are in my life are written uh, in, in different ways. Elton John, for argument's sake, Bernie Taupin writes the lyrics and sends them to Elton. They don't even meet. And in a way, that's how Charlie happened. I got home from the studio late one night and my partner, Charlie, was lying curled up around our cat and uh, called Lady Marmalade. And it just looked all so beautiful and peaceful that I I wrote a lyric saying, Charlie. And the next morning when we all got back to the studio, as it happened, we were recording Rabbit. I put the the lyric down on the grand piano in front of Trevor, who was just sort of warming up for the, although he was a guitarist, he was at the piano. And I said, take a look at this, Trevor. And I promise you, I'm telling you the truth. He looked at it. And he started playing, and he played the song while he sang it from top to bottom, one go. It has only happened to me once in my life, and it was miraculous. And, of course, it happily became a very, very big hit and launched Rabbit. It was a little bit of a phenomenon, wasn't Rabbit? It was a boy band, what, in the 70s? Yes. And suddenly put South Africa on the map. We didn't have to look at the Bay City Rollers only we had our own sort of boy band and it was a huge success it was a huge success in fact I think I'm correct in saying no other 
pop stroke rock band has ever matched the success of Rabbit in South Africa and certainly not on the hysteria of a fan base. You know, they were mobbed everywhere mm. and it was, it was like a Beatles. Yes, with screaming girls and all that. Yeah, it, it, it was phenomenal. And as such, that, that was unique. And a special time in South Africa's musical uh, position in the world mm. and uh, a, a special time for, for four fantastic musicians. How did you launch them? You say you launched Rabbit. How, how do you do that? Well, again, it was no great design. I was just crazy about music. First and foremost, I'm a music fan. So I went to a, a concert at a club called the Out of Town Club in, uh, in Johannesburg which was being run at the time by Clive Calder and Ralph Simon. To digress very briefly for one second, Clive Calder is now the richest man in the world, (laughs) in the world of music. He's done an Elon Musk. But in the world of music, yes. And uh, he's richer than Paul McCartney, uh, uh, Lloyd Webber. It's just unbelievable. But at the time, he was running the Out of Town Club in Joburg, and he had my favorite psychedelic rock band of the time, on as head of the bill, Freedom's Children, the phenomenal Freedom's Children. And then he had a strange little support band, a three-piece called Conglomeration. And I thought, well, I'll endure them while I wait for Freedom's. Well, Conglomeration came on and, in the very overused phrase, blew me away completely. Trevor Rabin was 18 or something like that, and I had never, ever heard anybody like that. And his two sidekicks, Ronnie Robot on bass and Neil Cloud on drums, were phenomenal. And I tracked Trevor down that night and the next morning had him in the studio. And that was the the genesis of of Rabbit. A little while later, I managed to to inveigle uh, Duncan Fora, a a young musician from Pretoria, who was the younger brother of director Bill Fora, into the group, originally... Uh, the original three were, were not happy to have a fourth person. But when they ho- heard and saw uh, Duncan, they reluctantly agreed. <laughs> and when he fitted in like a glove, uh, the group became Rabbit. And mm. we, we started recording. Charlie was the first single. The first album was Boys Will Be Boys. And bam, pow. <laughs> Gosh, pow. it hit the shelves, didn't it? Yeah. I mean, even the artwork, very sort of uh, designed for the youth of the day uh, with these yes. young men. And But it didn't last that long. Rabbit, or did they have a fairly long career? No, sadly, it was a, it really, it wasn't an overnight success, but it was a very, very fleeting experience from about 74 to 77. Oh, okay. And with the huge success of the band, it brought the attendant problems, uh, both internally and externally. And, um, you know, people <laughs> often say to me, why did Rabbit break up? And I said, look, I can't tell you now, but just buy the book if and when it ever comes out. <laughs> but it, it, many, many successful groups, starting with the Beatles, have had these kind of problems. Mm-hmm. And Trevor was under pressure from various sources uh, to go to loan, uh, which which I believe was partly misguided, but I understand why it was done, and his phenomenal success success with Yes, and now as a film scorer and screenwriter mm-hmm. and composer, has borne out the wisdom of that decision. But forever I will be sad that 
rabbit itself never went on to the global domination it should have. Patrick von Dijk, tell me what your first piece of music is now about all that. Well, I think seeing that we've been talking about Rabbit and Charlie, I think it's fitting that we we play that track. I hope so. And this is the original Rabbit. This is the original Rabbit version, uh, composed by Trevor and I and produced by Trevor, Julian Laxton and myself. must say that brought back memories Patrick I can remember um, hearing Charlie all over the place all those years ago and there we heard the original version of Charlie with the group Rabbit and the song written by Trevor Rabin and my guest on People of Note this week Patrick van Black and I said Patrick at the beginning that our listeners know you because you did a series called It's a Quiet Thing I think on a Tuesday night which was hugely successful and now you alternating or standing in for Dragoner with the world? I'm, I'm largely standing in when the, when the dragon, and I can say <laughs> that because she knows I call her that, and she's, it's dearly beloved, when she is gallivanting, and, and that's quite frequent, so I get the opportunity. 
Have you done broadcasting before uh, when you were in Johannesburg or anywhere? Not really. I did a 13-part music program for the, I think it was called the English Service, uh, called It's a Beautiful Noise, based on the Neil Diamond song, oh, yes. which was produced by someone I know you knew, a voter de vet. Yes, indeed, mm. who sadly passed on. Mm. Patrick, when, you know, I just want to go back a little bit now before we explore all the other aspects of your life. Tell me a little bit about how music came to be so important in your life. Did you come from a musical family? Did you start learning the piano when you were three? Or, or how did you become so passionate about music and a composer to boot? Well, there's, uh, it's, there's really a very, very simple answer. It was just there. I didn't choose it. Uh, it chose I, you. I wasn't nudged into it. My father was a soldier. Uh, my mother was a housewife, wannabe movie star, a, a blonde, <laughs> and, who used to whistle the Yellow Rose of Texas, and that was about <laughs> as close as I got to a musical education. I was uh, born in Potchefstroom and being brought up in Bloemfontein and attending Gray College, and I just loved music and everything I heard from the Yellow Rose of Texas and whatever we heard on Springbok or whatever it was, you know, I just consumed it. And then, around 1957, something astonishing happened. I heard Elvis Presley. And to say that was groundbreaking and mind-shattering was true. And at the same, and he was, he was disapproved by everybody, certainly in Bloemfontein and even my own somewhat liberal family. I, I also heard at the same time Little Richard who shocked everybody more, and Pat Boone and Cliff Richard, who were a little more acceptable. But most of all, I was completely besotted for Elvis and attempted his hairstyle and everything else. <laughs> and it was kind of there where the, the course was set. Mm. A few years later, I'd moved to Pretoria, and I was at Pretoria Boys High, and I was, I was under the t tuition of a magnificent man and artist called Walter Battis, Professor Walter Battis, who used to wear a T-shirt saying, I invented myself. <laughs> and that really struck me. And at the age of 13, I suddenly thought, you know what? I can be in music. I don't know how. I don't know why. But that's what it's got to be. Did you learn an instrument? I <clears throat> tried to learn piano, and I was a dismal failure. I tried to play bass in a rock band called The Howling Wolves, and they threw fish paste sandwiches at me at the <laughs> sessions. So I was a miserable, useless failure as a musician, but my love for music grew, and my, and my love for words grew. Mm -hmm. But then um, you, you started, as I said earlier, at Gallo all those years ago, 1968. What, how or what as? Well, I just wanted to be in the music business, and at the time I was a journalist on the on the on the Pretoria News oh. by default because the family said there, there is no such thing as a career in music. So the only other thing I could vaguely do was journalism. And so I got into the Pretoria News and I very quickly got to be writing music and film reviews. And I gave a particularly glowing review of a Gay Corsten concert, which at the time I... Uh, I suffered through. Today I realized the value of what Hay was doing, but at that age I didn't. But that 
interview um, was very well received at Gallo, and all of a sudden I found entree. However, I didn't go in as a celebrity. I went in as a factory worker. <laughs> they said I had to learn everything from the ground up, which I did. And then they sent me out into the countryside to places you have never heard of and been to, to sell music to bicycle shops. And finally, I got to being involved in the actual creation of music. So you were persistent, that's the main thing, and determined, really. Well, there was no other way. Mm. You know, there was no other choice. Mm. There was no under, other consideration. Right. But those names you mentioned, well, Elvis Presley, who had such an impact on so many people, Pat Boone, these were people we heard on Springbok Radio, on the Radio Record Club and all those things. Ad nauseum. Day after day after day, <laughs> yes. yes. But on that subject as well, at some because you then well you became a studio owner then after gallo didn't you well i first went into uh, i went independent in 1970 ha having given gallo an ultimatum to give me a more creative position which they chose to give someone in england whose father was related to decca which was a gallo label at that time so I, not in rejection, I thought, well, I'll take the next, next best thing. And a very, the very first really successful independent producer was Terry Dempsey, probably best known for his composition of Love is a Beautiful Song, which mm -hmm. became the song mm -hmm. at weddings for the next 10 years <laughs> by a singer called Dave Mills. And I started working with Terry as an independent record producer, a writer, promo guy, at that stage, we used commercial studios in Joburg. But when I left Terry after a couple of years, I became a part owner of the first independent studio in South Africa called Orvico in South Avenue Athol in Joburg. Gosh, good memory for <laughs> your first studio that you owned. Mm. Now, I want to take another piece of music and I want to talk about some of the names you've worked with and some of the things you've done on Springbok Radio. So, Patrick, what's your, what's your second choice for us? My second choice is another celebration. Forty years ago, approximately, we really broke ground with a song called Paradise Road. Mm, famously, famously. At the time of writing it, I knew we'd written a good song, Francois and I. But I had no idea what lay ahead for us with that song. At the time, I was recording probably the most famous jazz group of the time called Spirits Rejoice. And um, the manager was a, a lady called Linda Bernhardt, who'd done a lot of work with Mary McKeba and Hugh Masekela. And so she was manager and I was record company. And she came to me and she said, to expand the the strict confines of jazz for Spirits Rejoice, they're going to add three girl singers who were meant to be backup singers for Spirits Rejoice, who were all fine, fine musicians. And these groups were going to be called Joy. And would I write a song to introduce them to the world? And we didn't specifically write Paradise Road for them, but we had a writing session and out of that came Paradise. And I thought, wow, this could be good for Joy. Played it to Linda. She loved it, and we recorded it. Needless to say, when we recorded it, we did things which were not happening on so-called black records at the time. We, we added lush string sections, French horns, 
a full brass section, harp, all which were unknown to the commercial black records of the day. Mm. And all the, the big hit producers of the day said I was mad, this would never sell, and no group called Joy would have success in the black market. Anyway, when we first released it, and this is the truth, every single radio station in South Africa rejected it. And they rejected it for four weeks running. Eventually, I went to someone who I know you also know, David Gresham, who at that stage was a competitor to me as an independent producer. But he had a program on Springbok Radio called David Gresham's 530 Special. Mm. And I went to David and I said, David, I'm bust. I've made this record, which I think is a great record. Every single station, black, white and indifferent, has rejected it. What do you think? Played it to David. He leapt onto his chair and he said, this is a smash. And to cut a very long story short, that afternoon, he played it at the beginning, in the middle and the end of his program. And he said, this is the best record ever made in South Africa. And he did so for a week. Good a month later, the record was number one. And all the radio stations who rejected it <laughs> proudly told me they were very pleased that they had picked it first. Oh. I mean, it was outrageous, <laughs> and that's why I want to give David the punt. Yes. David, if it wasn't for David, that beautiful song would probably never have been heard. Are we about to hear it? We are. The bird. 
gosh, that's another song I haven't heard for a long time, Patrick. But you hear when you do listen to it what David Gresham meant, and he picked it up immediately. It's a hit. Yeah. People loved it. Um, Patrick Van Bleck uh, wrote, partly wrote that song called Paradise Road 40 years ago, sung by Joy. But while it was playing, you mentioned something political. Well, how could that possibly be political? Well, if you recall... Those were the days of 1979 when, when South Africa was burning. It was the worst time. It was time, a terrible, yeah. terrible time. It was under P.W. Boerter. And I've always been a fairly political animal. And although this wasn't written in a political sense, I think psychologically, the w- people say, how, why did you write it? I said, I don't know. It just came to me through the ether it, from a power far greater than I. But the the line... There are better days before us, I think resonated. The kids in Soweto used to march and sing that line. There are better days before us. There's a burning bridge behind us, fire smoking. Mm-hmm. There's a woman waiting, weeping, weeping, and a young man nearly beaten, all for love. Paradise was almost almost closing down. Wow. I borrowed part of that line from Peter Dirkace, and I, ha- I know, I've told him that. <laughs> but... South Africa was on the verge of closing down. So uh, I'm glad it was able to give hope and inspiration. And wasn't it interesting, Patrick, although we shouldn't go this route, um, at the time, so much news was kept from us. We didn't know the townships were burning. When we saw the footage after 94, you know, we couldn't believe it was the same country. Yeah. So they were very clever at not exhibiting this sort of thing to people at home. Yeah. Yeah, it was suppressed. Anyway, Patrick van Berk is my guest. And, Patrick, you've, I mentioned that the people you've worked with, um, but they're, they're big names here, um, names like Julian Laxton, Mike, Wendy Oldfield, Winston Mankuku, Nkosi, and Alan Quella, Spirit Rejoicing, Mimi Kutzer. Yes. <laughs> among all those. Yes. So these are all people that have crossed your path and been part of your life. Mimi, we did an Afrikaans album called the Hilda Blake on Afrikaans. I recorded Judy Page. There was a vast, I uh, worked with Toby Koshlik on Any Night in Paris, the follow-up to uh, the Jacques Brel thing. The most extraordinary people I got to work with, it was interesting and fun. And it took me for the first time out of the so-called pop and rock genre because I was a Beatle baby. Mm. And so it was a really good grounding. We had to kind of do everything mm-hmm. to to stay alive. And this was all at your studio, Overick? Orvico, Orvico. which was audiovisual communications. Mm-hmm. No, we had sold Orvico to a major company called Sackbell, which had never, ever been in music. But somehow we talked them into going into music, and we designed a world-class recording studio in Johannesburg, funded by them, obviously, and a national record company, and uh, and at that stage we were big stuff. Mm-hmm. You were big stuff, actually. It seems strange to say that to you now, but we've all moved on so much. But you are still very, very involved, aren't you? Because you've got a studio in Cape Town called Cape Town Sound, so you're still very involved in the industry, aren't you? Honestly, I can say, Rodney, that I'm as involved as I ever was. In mm. fact, in terms of time. And hours and minutes, I would think almost more so. I'm doing a lot more work. In my heyday in Johannesburg, I tended to work very hard in the morning, have a very long lunch, 
and disappear in the afternoon. <laughs> now I work all day and, and think all night. Yeah, I'm very, very involved. Everything is the same. We may not be having the same kind of spectacular breakouts like Rabbit and Paradise Road, but in between we've had, we are growing from Shaka Zulu, which went around the world. And whatever I'm doing in the day, it's still music, 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 and uh, working with fabulous artists. Uh, and, yeah, it's the same thing. Patrick, you mentioned Shaka Zulu because that song, that that um, that was the television series, wasn't yes. it? And it, it was the main theme, it wasn't it? It was the main theme, yeah. Which you wrote with? I co-wrote that with Julian Laxton and Margaret Singana. Because okay. uh, that became something of a hit, didn't it? Oh, that was a very, very big hit, and it became my biggest success as a writer and producer internationally thanks to the series directed by the aforementioned Bill Forum mm, yeah. and that, that was a, a, a very big success and the song is still big overseas and do you know whatever happened to the actor what was his name Winston who who played Shaka oh goodness I know I can see his face yes, right now. whoever he was he's passed away oh has he yeah. has he died okay um, Henry Chelly Henry Chelly there you go mm. But film score writing is very much part of your, has been part of your life, hasn't it? More so in the early days. Mm. Nowadays, no. Trevor has certainly gone in to write some of the biggest movies of all time, based in Los Angeles. I, I've done not much movie work since a movie called Hold My Hand, I'm Dying, which used Paradise Road as its theme tune. And that was quite interesting because they didn't use the Joy version. We used an American soul singer who was very big in South Africa at the time, Dobie Gray, who lived in Nashville. And he always said to me, Patrick, I'm the only black singer in Nashville. <laughs> anyway, I flew to Nashville and we recorded the song there. And that, that was a theme to, to that particular film. And since then, I've involved myself far more in the core elements of music mm -hmm. but also i think a thread through your life was giving young musicians an opportunity wasn't it you've always been passionate about that well look when i was knocking on doors uh, in the early early days in johannesburg and found them uh, very very closed and once you got through the door very very cold and unfriendly in, mm -hmm. in the main i mean there were obviously exceptions I kind of thought to myself, if I'm ever able to, I'm going to try and have as, an, as much an open-door policy as possible. And I still stick to that, you know, within reason. Okay, fair enough. Let's have another piece of music, Maestro van Black. Okay. You probably know that the biggest thing to come out of South Africa, probably ever, but certainly in many a day, was a, is a song called Jerusalemma. Gosh, yes. And, uh, and it's, it's been a worldwide hit. Mm. And it's taken a young star called Master KG from La Pumalonga from nothing to world stardom and great wealth. <laughs> and uh, we decided, we wouldn't cover the exact, uh, exact song, but we are working with a wonderful, wonderful young artist called Ronnie Blacks from Zimbabwe. And I said, this is such a beautiful song. And not many people who don't understand the language and know that it's a prayer because everybody's dancing to it around the world. So we did what I called a cathedral version of Jerusalem, which is really a very beautiful prayer and a very beautiful song with Ronnie Blacks. And so here it is, Jerusalem. 
part of Jerusalem there with Ronnie Blacks and another choice of my guest, Patrick Van Black, who, as you've been hearing, has had quite a career in the world of music here in South Africa and even internationally with competitions you've won and been overseas to various conventions and so on, Patrick. But um, one of the little things I wanted to ask you about was all those days of Springbok Radio where shows like Squad Cars Consider Your Verdict Endless radio jingles were all put together, some of them anyway, in your studio. Yes. Uh, after the Sapbell Studios, we subsequently bought the studio of Sonovision, which had worked on all the SABC Springbok radio productions. And whilst it was, that was its primary purpose, I also turned it into a music studio. And in fact, it was out of that studio that We Are Growing from Shaka Zulu came. Oh, really? Okay. Mm. But those those jingles, as they called in the radio business, uh, the, the signature tunes to Squad Car, Consider Your Verdict, all those things, they became household. They were staple. I mean, everyone <laughs> knows the moment you have part of the jingle what you're in for. They were amazingly infectious. The very interesting thing about those things, there is a, a network around the world of uh, South Africans scattered around the world, what do you call it, diaspora, diaspora, who who send each other reminders of the good old days. And the soundtrack is always those those jingles, (laughs) squad cars, uh, creaking door, etc., which was was put together under the directorship of Dave Gooden at the time. We, We continued doing that work forever and a day till that kind of thing just stopped. Mm. But probably when Springbok Radio shut down. Right. But it was a very interesting time, and I met a whole different section of, of people in the entertainment industry. I actually have somehow have acquired a CD of some of the Springbok Radio uh, signature tunes, and Dave Wood does a Springbok Radio nostalgia thing every now and again on a Sunday afternoon, and it always takes you right back. Yes. So, but you have met, therefore, a, a whole cross-section, haven't you? As you said, you moved away from the rock pop thing mm-hmm. into that song Jerusalem and other things you've written but it must therefore have really enriched your life being in all genres of music even Vox the group Vox with John Woodland and company you've recorded them haven't you well that has been one of the most exciting things I've found in since I've been in Cape Town finding Vox and actually making the decision to go ahead with it was a very big decision for me. I was very nervous because I wasn't, I'm not schooled in that music at all. I have to thank Fine Music Radio for introducing me to Vox. And I heard a broadcast and I thought, I've got to find out who this man was. I happened to meet him in these very studios because he was also hosting a program at the time Mm. and our programs coincided. And I said, could we meet? And the rest is history. I think we've put out five or six albums now. We're getting overseas traction on it. Up until COVID, they had been doing phenomenally well. Obviously, like all the other artists, they they are suffering through COVID. But what a talented group. What an exciting adventure. And it's a a delight to be working with John Woodland, who I think is a simmering genius. (laughs) He is, actually. And and, and he's fantastic singers. Yes. And Kyle Paulson, who is his sort of producer, He's been exiled to, to <coughs> that's uh, right to George to George as a doctor for a year or two. But I hope we can fit some Vox in in a moment. But I know you want to play Godfrey Johnson for a specific reason, and I know Godfrey as a, a great pianist and entertainer. Well, I'd seen Godfrey in a number of productions, including one with Peter Dirk Ace 
in his German lady. What was her name? Bambi Kellerman. Bambi Kellerman, yeah. And I always found him interesting and fascinating. So I called him up one day and I said, could you do a piano and voice theatrical thing? And he, he literally threw 10 projects at me. So I went, eeny, meeny, miny, moe, and we started with a celebration of Jacques Brel. And the song we're going to play tonight is from that recording, which has just, just been finished, called If We Only Had Love. But let me keep punting. You know, I'm, I'm also a salesman. <laughs> we're already planning Godfrey's follow-up, which is a celebration of Noel Coward. So it's very different for me, but equally exciting. He said smiling. Okay, here's Godfrey Johnson. If we only have love Then tomorrow will dawn And the days of our years Will rise on that morn If we only have love We can sleep without fear we will kiss with our eyes We will sleep without tears If we only had love With our arms open wide Then the young and the old Will stand at our side If we only had love Love that's falling like rain Then the parched desert earth Will grow green again If we only have love For the hymn that we shout For the song that we sing We will have a way out If we only have love We can reach those in pain We can heal our own wounds We can use our own names If we only have love We can melt all the guns and give a new world To our daughters and sons If we only had love Then Jerusalem stands And death has no shadow There are no foreign lands If we only had love then we'll never bow down We'll be tall as the pines Neither heroes nor clowns If we only have love Then we'll only be men And we'll drink from the grail To be born once again 
And with nothing at all But the little we are We'll have conquered all time All space for sun The hugely talented Godfrey Johnson there. And that's a new release, is it, Patrick, um, from your studio? What is it called, or how do you find it? It's called The Celebration of Jacques Brel, Godfrey Johnson. Okay, and we've got Noel Coward coming up on your next project. My guest is a songwriter and record producer from Cape Town, Patrick van Blerk, who's also a sometime broadcaster here on Fine Music Radio, and whom, as you've heard, has had this extraordinary career in music. While that was playing, you were telling me how difficult it is to leave out people you wanted to play that you've worked with. Yeah, absolutely. I, I feel terrible about it. And, and, and you didn't give me a five-hour program. I can't understand why. Oh, dear. <laughs> but, Sorry, but there, there are many, uh, and I'm just going to take them at random. James Grace, Liam Pitcher, Paul Peterson. This sounds like a, 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 an Oscar thank you uh, <laughs> <laughs> situation. Sadiq Khan and, uh, and a host of uh, Richard Caesar. There are a host of other people in the jazz world that I've not, not mentioned. And a rather unique artist called Valiant V. Vanguard, who made only one live appearance in his entire career at the Nippon Budokan Hall in Tokyo to a global audience singing the song that came in the top three. And Valiant V. Vanguard is none other than moi. And I gave myself that name because the, the Japanese joking. couldn't do Patrick von Berg. <laughs> so you called yourself Valentine? Valiant V. Vanguard. And one day we'll play it. I sang it in Japanese. No. Why, why didn't you bring it? I should have. No, that'll, that'll make you... Offer me another shot. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. Hasaga guitar. That's the first line. <laughs> okay. I can't wait for the rest. <laughs> Patrick, one of the things we were talking about your international world and travels and all the people you've worked with, Radio Rats, remember them? Oh, yeah. Cafe Society, oh. Gecko Moon, featuring Ringo and many others. But you also helped, didn't you, with Epitombi, Rabbit, to somehow get a past the apartheid thing in this isolating climate that those people were having to work in? Well, we had Ipitombi. We, we birthed it, really. Strangely enough, using it's a bit of a pun with Bertha Egnos, <laughs> the writer. But at the, they rehearsed in our offices, which was in the Coliseum building in Johannesburg. And when they were ready to go out, and of course the lead singer at the time was Margaret Singana, they could only play to black audiences. Mm who were not the slightest bit interested in Ipitombi. There was no permission to play to white audiences. And then a theatre owner who you might remember... Uh, yes, Brian Brooks. Brian Brooks. Mm. He had the Brian Brooks Theatre. He, he was very brave. He said, right, I'm going to let you do it. And to cut a long story sideways, as Nancy Pelosi says, <laughs> uh, the, the heavens opened. And Ipitombi became a smash. I then had one lunch with an English producer, just out of courtesy, really, at a little restaurant across the road from the Coliseum, who used to look after people like The Bachelors and Lena Zavaroni. And I said, you might be interested in this. And but I was playing him about 10 seconds of every record. And he'd just say, pass, 
pass with his Irish accent. And when I put on Ippy Tombi, before he said pass, I took off the needle and he said, put it back. <laughs> and that night he said, get everybody involved in this production into my suite at the Carlton Towers. And a deal was struck that night and... Ipitombi went around the rest of the world, I think, for the next eight to ten years. Gosh, it was a phenomenal success. Gosh, Patrick, you said you wanted five hours, but I'm afraid our hour is more or less up. Oh, no. But <laughs> don't look so crestfallen. You're the boss. Can't you, <clears throat> can't you push, the, push it a bit? <laughs> no. Patrick, it's been a delight talking to you, and I've wanted to do this for a long time, and great to celebrate the 40th anniversary of Paradise Road, the 50th anniversary of Rabbit's Charlie, which we've heard tonight. But now, I mentioned Vox, which is a break from the sort of Rabbits and Junior Laxons and all the pop music you've done with John Woodland and company, and you said you'd like to play a track of theirs. I would. This is slightly out of their genre, but they picked and found the composer, a modern composer who, for the life of me, I just cannot remember his name, but you will probably know it. But he's alive and well and still writing and recording. And one of the most beautiful pieces he wrote was something called Fly to Paradise. And John Woodland and, and Carl selected it. And in this case, we decided to give it a classical treatment, but with a contemporary flavor. Mm, mm. And... That's what we did, and I think it's it's absolutely wonderful, and I think one day it will break through as a hit internationally. So this is Boxer. Which album is it on? It's on the album Trust the Silences. Okay, so we'll end then. Patrick with uh, Vox singing Trust Silences and thank you for sharing what seems to me to be a very interesting life that you've had and I hope you also enjoy classical music and I'm sure you do. Well I'm learning a lot from you and the rest <laughs> of the crew at Fine Music Radio and thanks to you and Mawanda for the opportunity of being here thank you very much. And much strength to arm, Patrick. Keep going, keep going strong we need people like you in the industry. Thank you, take it easy. My guest Patrick von Black.
People of Note on Fine Music Radio was proudly brought to you by Peter Turin Productions. FMR.